0: So, hi, Spencer. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, May. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure.
0: My pleasure. Look, for those who don't know you, it'd be great to hear a little bit about your story and how you ended up, you know, sort of starting your agency with Peter. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So, um, well, actually, my this is my second business. My first business started in 1999. I was uh, made redundant three times in a year from from jobs, and I decided it was about time I took control of my destiny. From a purple shed with just four and a half thousand pounds to my name, uh, the shed was in my mum's back garden. I decided to start, uh, and, and what I then was kind of would call a, a web business, but actually, I discovered very quickly was more of the business model of an agency. And um, so following the kind of next eight years between 2008, nine years, 1999 and 2008, I grew one of the largest digital agencies in the UK. We were number eight uh, in, in terms of size. And, and we worked a lot in sports, we were very big, uh, big sports focus, and we were a Deloitte Tech Fast 50 growing business, a European Fast 500, so we grew 1100% during a five-year period on that, on that journey. And uh, it was a really difficult, tough journey. I, I don't want anyone to think it was easy. Um, it was fraught with challenges to overcome, uh, but I very successfully sold the business in 2008, and um, I did a couple of years earn out for the big marketing agency that bought my business. And then in 2010, I took some time out. Uh, I, started, I sort of semi-retired. I think I was about 37, 38 years old, and I, I wanted a kind of a proper reset. So I took a year out. And my plan actually then was to not really do any kind of service business or you know agency or consulting again. I, I really wanted to maybe go into a more of a product business. Um, I think we all suffer a little bit when we're in the service business, so the grass is always greener syndrome, and thinking that we should do a different type of business, life would be easier. But, but after um, taking a year out, and I was sort of looking at various different businesses to, to start as my second business, I had a, an old competitor of mine phone me up, and he said to me, he said uh, he was having a few problems with his agency. could I help him at all? I didn't really want to go back into agency life, but I went down because he was clearly struggling. And he had an agency turning over about about 1.2 million. He had about 20, 28 staff, which is, you know, for those of you who know much about the economics of agencies, that's pretty much too many, too much headcount for uh, that size turnover. And I went down and spent some time with him. And I, I very quickly empathized because I'd been in similar situations growing my business to where he was at and the problems he was facing, shared a few bits of advice, you know, in a friendly way and, and party company and went back to try and figure out what I was going to do next. He rang me up three months later and said everything that I would told him had worked and that I should really consider going to become a non-exec, you know, someone to help or create a business to help agencies scale, especially the new type of agency, because if you think about 2010, the agency model had changed to be much more technology centric from maybe the 200 years of purely marketing and advertising. So cutting the very long story short, uh, I rang up my former financial director uh, at my agency, which was called Blue Halo, and we started a, a consultancy practice called Cactus. And, Cactus's sole aim was to was to help the new generation of agency scale their business through shared learnings, and we just found a really quick demand for it. There seemed to be a, a, a like a, a huge amount of old what I call the madman era of non execs and advisors and coaches, but no one really who understood the fast pace of change that technology was having and the impact that was having on different agency businesses. So that's pretty much how Cactus started. We sort of really started about 2012. So we're in our, what's that now? Seventh year, seventh, eighth year of, of trading. And we just recently launched a, a book called Agencynomics, which kind of shared all of the learnings from the last eight years, I guess, seven, eight years of, of doing the consultancy work we've done.
0: That's really awesome. And it's such an interesting um, story that you have, really. And it's, it's, well, just starting with, you know, 1999 being made redundant three times in one year. How was your mental state at that point? Because it must have been, you know, you're sort of wondering what is happening there and for you to take that and turn it into, you know, your first, you know, your first uh, your first agency is, is, is really is really awesome. So yeah, like tell yeah, us well, a little I've bit got... about the mentality of, of, of that state of mind you had then.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great topic to talk about because a lot of the people I help now you know with their agencies are, are literally leaving university or college and starting businesses. But I was 27, 28 and I'd left school at sixteen. I left school at sixteen, no qualifications, I left home at sixteen. And so I'd worked for about 11, 12 years before I started my business and I'd had some pretty tough times. You know, I, often, I do another talk called The Unlucky Millionaire because, you know, so many things went wrong in my life. So many things, you know, more things went wrong than right. And I guess that when I got to that three times in one year, I think I had just a, a much better level of resilience to maybe a lot of people because I've had so many difficult times mm-hmm. that actually when I got to that stage... I don't think I was quite as maybe in quite, you know, in quite a difficult mental state as maybe some people would have been or I would have been if I'd tried to start that at 16, 17 or or maybe if I'd gone to uni when I just left uni. So I think uh, it probably wasn't as bad. But listen, I mean, just to put it in perspective, I'd literally just got engaged to my now wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just before Christmas when I got made redundant, and it couldn't be any worse a time, right? And, you know, from having such a really good career up until that point to then being made redundant three times in a year, it was just really tough. And so I think at that stage, my mental state was more about I need to keep, take control of my destiny. I kind of trusted myself more than I trusted other people, you know, uh, and my own abilities more than, I guess, other, bili- other people trusted my abilities. So, yeah, so that's kind of the, the truth of
0: it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And it's, it's funny how you're saying sort of like, you know, it's tough to be made redundant three times, but yet there's positive things like you got engaged that year. And, you know, same thing with 2008, where, you know, most businesses were really struggling at that time, it was hard economically. And yet you sold your business that year. So there's a lot of, yeah, and, you know, sort of something.
1: Yeah, and i wanted to try something I would say as well is that I met the guy that made me redundant at that time about three or four years ago. Yeah. And I was really angry. I remember at the time being obviously quite angry and quite frustrated. But I went up and shook his hand because I said, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't have achieved all the success that I had achieved afterwards. You know, you forced me to start my business. And he was quite shocked by that and quite, you know, humbled. And obviously found it quite amusing as yeah. well. But um, but yeah, I, I don't think I've ever met anyone in life, actually, who's been made redundant, who hasn't got a great story to say how it helped them with course correction. So I do think there's always a positive to be taken from when redundancies do happen, because it forces you to rethink your life and what you're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The better. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love your thoughts, actually, on... You know, what are your thoughts on on picking a niche for an agency? Because, you know, you started yours, which you mentioned was mainly sports focused. And now your focus is to help agencies, you know, grow. So just tell me a bit more about that.
1: It's funny. I have quite strong opinions on this because for years I would always say the deeper you focus, you know, the narrower you focus, the deeper you cut. And, you know, I genuinely was focused on sports. I actually did sports e-commerce Businesses, businesses that were fast growth. I probably had three main focuses, not just one. But the reality is, as it up between zero and a million turnover, I dealt with anyone and everybody, because I didn't really know where my niche was going to be. I mean, I guess eventually, I found a passion for sports and digital, and I brought the two together. And I really enjoyed that. And that helped, you know, waking up every day, loving what you do. But in the early days, I just didn't really have that niche. You know, I work with so many different businesses. I think it was a, a real advantage actually as well to work with different businesses because it it broadened my experience. But today when I go into businesses, I do not find correlation between those who are the most successful and those who focus. If I'm honest, I don't think that is the there's no secret source. Like if you just just because you focus on a sector, I mm-hmm. don't know that it necessarily guarantees you success or faster growth. There are definitely some benefits to doing it. You know, it's very hard to market your business, you know, to multiple channels. It's hard to build networks and connections and authority in multiple channels and multiple areas. So I do think if you can focus, then it will always help you. But what I would definitely caveat that is by saying is that I don't know that it it means that you won't succeed if you don't. Because mm-hmm. I certainly didn't focus and I certainly succeeded for quite a long time. And the sport thing really didn't come in, I say, probably till I was, you know, over maybe 18, 20 staff and a million turnover. So it took a while to find that focus. Mm-hmm. It's also something else I always warn people of. In 2000, and people, this is, I suppose, one of the benefits of being you know, 47 now is that I've been through about three or four recessions and yeah. especially as I left score at 16, which is pretty much, you know, one of the worst, worst recessions, you know, back at the end of the 80s. So one of the things I've learned is that if you deal with just one sector and that sector gets hit by recession, you're also in a lot of trouble. So in 2009 or 2007, when it started, the subprime loan market collapsed. Those people who worked in financial services, I saw agencies lose 12 clients in one quarter Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to bounce back. Manufacturing uh, of cars got hit in 2008, and eight, nine, And I know agencies that worked in the car sector that got hit really hard. So in the book, Agency Nomics, we wrote, we always recommend to the agencies that we advise, we say, try and keep one sector no more than 25% of your turnover, because if you lose the sector, you don't lose the business. And that doesn't mean that you can't focus... On a, Like a taxonomy around that that sector for example i 've got a, a, a client who focuses on fintech, but mm-hmm. he also focuses on insurance mortgages and, and actually and, and fintech as a kind of those three separate sectors so I think it 's important you do that of course, there are other focuses it doesn 't have to be the what you do of course it can be the focus could be um, around the technology that you that you have or the particular service or uniqueness to the service you provide. But I think if you do focus on sectors, I would definitely try and hedge a touch. You know, don't leave yourself too exposed.
0: Yeah, that's really, that's really, really interesting. And I'd love to hear how, you know, how do you work with your clients? So I guess, do you, first, do you take them on as a a specific stage of growth? And then what's the process? How, How do you help them grow really realistically? I mean, there's so many things to look at, you know, in terms of employees, in terms of business development. So tell us a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, it's a great question um so i so i um i guess i've in the early days we sort of took on everybody and then we had to learn that if we take on people too early the 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 early part of the journey is too hard between sort of a quarter of a million turnover in pounds and seven hundred and fifty thousand pound pound we call that the critical survival stage and it and it takes it's quite often takes a few numbers a few years to sort of grind out the numbers to get to the first million So we typically like to go in around just under the first sort of 750,000 to a million turnover. And we work with people typically up to about 5 million and a million EBITDA, a a million of profit, which to give you an idea on numbers is probably somewhere between about 12 staff and about 60 staff we, that's the sort of our sweet spot let's say yeah if we go in too early so what we do with the guys before them is we, we'll we do some kind of small tactical consulting days, strategy days where we go in and we kind of give them as many answers as we can and then let them go away and then say look come back when you're a little bit bigger if you if it works and come back and you know talk to us more about working more permanently yeah what works is that what the other part of the question was? Yes, what what yes, was...
0: what has worked actually for? So, there's,
1: so, there's a, so the weird thing is there is no silver bullet, right? So I mean, I, I you know I think the truth is that, but but there is definitely a pattern. I was I was out at dinner. I had to do a presentation this week, and I was working on it the weekend. And I had this sort of flashback to a dinner I went to at the end of last year with six of my fr- five of my friends. There's six of us, and five of us have actually all built and sold our businesses successfully. Not that the sale you know, determine success. But the point is we'd all built pretty successful agencies, but it was weird if there's only like a one in 400 chance of someone building and selling an agency that, that the group of us had all, all become friends and, and then had all sold our businesses. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the characteristics between them very much mirrored the characteristics, I guess, between some of the other successful agencies. And I don't mean just their characteristics, I actually mean just their approaches, the, the way that they approach dealing with their, their business. And maybe we gravitate together because of that. I don't know. But if I was to say a handful of things that I noticed, the first one I would say is, you know, having a clear vision. I mean, and I, you know, I hear people these days kind of really criticize this and say, oh, you know, it's not just about imagining where it is you want to go to and that will happen because for a lot of people that doesn't happen. But the reality is it's one small and very important ingredient. I remember when I was a one-man band in that shed in my mum's back garden, visualizing that I was gonna be an eight man band in a big converted barn somewhere. And lo and behold, I was an eight man band in in that that barn. And then I remembered visualizing getting to my first million and I got to my first million because I think what happened was my subconscious started working towards everything I did, you know, worked towards those goals. And so I think having a clear vision, in fact, when my non-exec came in and started advising me, the first thing he made me do was write down my personal and professional goals. And I can't tell you how much that really helped me. So the first thing is having a clear vision. You don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. I think having a resilient mindset, and that's a big topic these days and tough, but you know you have to accept that more things will go wrong than will go right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, go back read Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. You know, most people's success comes one step beyond the point of failure. He wrote. Back in 1923 or something. And you know, there couldn't be any truer statement as you know as of today. Um, unfortunately, you have to be resilient. You have to understand you have to have the bad days to appreciate the good days. And you've got to have this kind of coping mechanism in your head that will get you through. And I think the people I work with or I come across who have this resilience and mindset or certainly are working all the time to try and build it, it will help. Marketing, I mean, you said that in the question, sales. Understanding where business actually comes from, not where you think it comes from, or where you think everybody else is getting it from. One of my my favorite topics that I speak about. Um, that you, you probably heard of the guy John Wanamaker. He was the guy that famously said fifty percent of my marketing works. I just don't know which fifty percent. Yeah. Um, and what I found with agencies was that if I asked. 20 agencies that never met me before, where do they think new business comes from? They'd pretty much all get it wrong. They'd probably spend 90% of their time in an area that probably generates only 10% of the actual leads. So, what I've done a lot of work over the last few years is literally analyzing all of the pipeline documents of of over a billion pounds worth of of agencies to understand exactly where the lead originated from that they won. And when you carry out that, and in fact, all of this is in, is in our book, Agency And we came up with this methodology called the 30-30-30-10. And, and that I think is, you know, as an agency or a service business, and by the way, I think this works in a consultancy or any service-related business. I think as soon as you understand where business actually comes from, rather than where you think it comes from. I think that can be transformative. So I would say the probably number one hack that I do, if we use the growth hacker term, is I go into an agency and as soon as cash allows, I recruit a marketing manager. Even if it's too early, I put a marketing manager in, I come up, create a marketing plan, and we start to really work hard. Because in an agency, everything has to start with a sale. If you don't have a sale, you can't just recruit people and then go out and find sales. It just, it just doesn't work that way. So unlikely you will ever do that. You have to find the sales first and then recruit the people. And, you know, so, so I would say you're right. Marketing is, is, is at the heart of it. And then just a couple of last things I would say, getting an advisor. Now, I, obviously, I would say that because that's what I do. But, yes. but the best thing that ever happened to me was when I met this gentleman called Philip Ashley, because I was literally about to go bust. I hadn't paid myself for about four months I was going to close the business down. In fact, I just had a, a newborn daughter at the time, and I said to my wife, "Let's do it. It's just I'm working all the hours. I'm not paying myself. I'm going to close the business down. I'm going to sell it. I put I actually put the business up for sale for a hundred thousand pounds in the Sunday Times, which is where you sold businesses before, you know, loads of online sites created to now to now do that. Yeah. And I nearly sold it, but I met this guy. He, he I said, "What do you do? He wanted a website. He was a small business advisor, and I I asked him if he would contra building a website for giving me advice, and and he did. And having that, just having a boss, like when you when you start your own business, you forget the importance of having someone to hold you to account, because you do slip into complacency, and you know sometimes you do just kind of you don't really have that. Someone just says, every month say, hey, you said you were going to do that. You haven't done that. And I found personally for me and certainly for all of my friends around the table that have been successful with all of the best clients I work with, those who have somebody, a trusted advisor, an ideal someone who's been there and done it in the, exactly the space that they work in rather than someone generic. I mean, I had a great business advisor, but he didn't really know much about agencies If he had a done, I'm scared to think how much better and faster I could have grown. So, and just lastly is the understanding culture because we're people businesses. Consultancies and agencies are people businesses. You've got to learn to master loving people and inspiring people and bringing out the best in people because they are your only asset in your business. So I think the people that kind of get all of those points working together and add a bit of luck and a bit of hard work I yeah. think they're the ones that kind of are the most successful.
0: Yeah, I think these are really really great tips and it's um it's funny enough cuz talking to a lot of different, you know, agency owners, it's it's true that all of these, you know, elements from, you know, finding someone that can help you with sales to finding someone that can, you know, uh, hold you accountable, um culture, all these elements are so key to your success and it's uh it's it's nice to have it sort of wrapped up in in a few I guess yeah points kind of thing, because we forget about those things. I actually, you know, work with uh, with an advisor at the moment, and I actually have a post-it with all these bullet points. And it's a silly one, but I, it's it's a nice reminder. In the morning, I sit at my desk, and I have it in front of me. And it's, it's you know, a white paper written in black, but it's just a, a good reminder.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we use this very, very sort of smart task list. And we will sit down with the, each each month we meet with our clients and we review all of the of the issues that challenges in the business right now and we you know we pick the most important three and we set those as our quarterly our quarterly targets to to achieve sometimes it's monthly sometimes it's quarterly but and different people can take on more tasks but at the end of the year it's great to see people who have you know achieved maybe solving 36 you know three a month 36 Um, Major major challenges in their business they they fix or they've overcome or they put systems in place, you know because there's so much to do in a business all the time and having some clarity and focus on the priorities the things that are going to give you that traction that you need to scale it's, it's very rewarding when when we look back and we see people you know you know that they've achieved that and if we weren't there maybe going in the next month maybe that thing that that task wouldn't quite have happened as quickly you know. Yeah, I certainly know from my own experience running a business that, you know, I was, I could drift for months very easily sometimes. Absolutely.
0: Um, and you just don't see the days. Next thing you know, you think, oh, March is done. And what have I achieved? Yeah. You know, so it's good to have just sort of Definitely. someone nudging you and saying, hey, remember you committed to this. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I mean, I I don't want to make everybody feel that, you know, because there's so many people giving advice now, you know, so many people out there who've got, you know, the silver bullets on how, you know, things can be fixed. But, you know, it is just, you know, a a handful of things, you know, a clear vision and, you know, you've got to love what you do. You've got to make sure you every day you stay connected to it and try and stay real. But, you know, it, it can be easier if you get some of those things sorted it can be harder if you don't put it that
0: yeah, way absolutely absolutely and then I'd love your point of view on on something you know sometimes agency owners just have so much on their plate and you know sort of hold dear that they can do it sometimes it's just sort of hard yeah. to delegate the work and so do you have any sure. advice for someone you know sort of having a hard time delegating but is yeah. at a stage where they actually should be looking for extra hands.
1: The, again, that's something that's um, in fact there's a, a certain type of agency owner which we, we call the meddler, someone who who just wants to meddle and you know and doesn't. But, but the issue is trust. At the end of the day, you know, if if you're doing that, you don't trust the people around you to do the job that they're there to do. And it's important that it, you know that's your issue as an owner to fix. Now, the the issue of trust could be that that person that works for you who should be doing that task isn't isn't as good as you think they are or you don't believe they have that ability. Or it could be that you just think it's quicker if you do it, which is probably the most common line I hear. Mm -hmm. My recommendation would always be, you know, I didn't just. You know, my mom just didn't give birth to me and I, I suddenly started walking. You know, I fell over a thousand times before I learned to crawl, before I learned to, to finally walk. And I think with your team members, you need to understand that it's also sometimes a journey for them to get to the standards that you set. People need to sometimes be taken on that journey to understand how good is good enough and what, is, what does great look like. So the first thing I would always say is buy a book, um, a famous book, um, The One Minute Manager, mm-hmm. uh, teaches you how to delegate. And I think it was the best book. I, I genuinely think, I, you know, I don't want to sound too egotistical, but I always think I was very, very good at delegating tasks. But really, I read that book and it really helped. Uh, One Minute Manager, it taught me how to delegate effectively to make sure that when I did give tasks to people... I did it very clearly. The second book to get is Radical Candor, which is probably one that I would imagine other guests on your show may well have recommended at some point. And Radical Candor just gets you to get to the uh, more confident around the of just telling, giving people constructive feedback. And you've got to trust, you've got to understand that you are going to give tasks to people in your team to do and they are going to get it wrong. Yeah. But if you delegate it right, you'll be able to address how and why. You know, you have to trust the people in your team to to make mistakes, give them the feedback and get better at it. And also inspire people in your team to be one step ahead of you. I think the thing about entrepreneur-run businesses is we thrive, and I know I did, when the people around me were always one step ahead. But people aren't always naturally one step ahead. You have to inspire them as a leader to be one step better, you know, all the time. And I guess this is something that I, in the early days, listen, I, I was, I, I'm not teaching anyone psych exit because I was that person, right? I was, it was quicker for me to do the quote than it was to give it to my new business person because they never looked as good as when I did them. It was, you know, if I had to do a pitch, it was always me who do the pitch because I knew I could make you look better. But eventually I realized that actually the guys working for me were better than me. And if they weren't better than me, then I, I swapped them for people who were better than me. And I told them that they're better than me and I motivated them to, to do better work than me. And I would just give the honest feedback all the time on how we can improve. So hopefully I'm a, I'm answering that there. I'm yeah. a great believer I'm in, I'm a big fan of um, a book called Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Laloux. And I'm a big believer in flat organizational structures, not having not having hierarchies. And I think if you can master your business early enough to build a flat structure, It will teach you that the most important thing in your business is, you know, is autonomy, mastery and purpose. And and, and if you can, you know, if you can build an autonomous environment, that will make you a better business in the end. So you have to learn, learn to set the roles and responsibilities of people out, learn to delegate effectively, but learn to empower people so that they can be better than you. And so you don't even, you know, they're always one step ahead. There's my big rant. Yeah, love it.
0: So this is this is great. This is really great. Good, good good. Um and then you mentioned earlier that you do um organize little events. Um do you want to tell us a little bit about about that? Yeah, so I mean
1: so when we wrote the book agencynomics we just found that there was kind of a, a, I guess a small community starting to form behind the book and we got some fantastic amazon reviews and actually a lot of them from quite big agencies he said they, they thought it was the book they wish they'd read when they started. And, um, we, we, we I mean, we honestly thought Pete and I would only ever sell like 100 books because you know running an agency is quite a niche area, but but the book has you know achieved a huge level of success. So, a lot of people have got in touch after that, and we so we decided we would set a few events up. We run them like everything agency nomics has run as a social enterprise so outside of our cactus consulting business. Agency nomics is. Run a social enterprise and we're just trying to really help those early stage agencies get the information that they need and so we create some events on my linkedin page somewhere there is a, a, a list of them all there but if, if you connect somehow which i don't know which is the best way to connect right now if you send the email to hello at agencynomics.com we'll send the list of the events but we run events through the year um, helping people to uh, for example the one in april we've got is called best in class we get, you know, 10 or 12 speakers to come along and, and tell their personal stories of the things that they do that we think stands out and that maybe other agency owners or consultancy owners could, could learn from. So, yeah, we do, but we do like a mixture, we do drinks events, we do walk and talk events, but we do a good sort of 12 to 15 events a year. We do round on how to buy businesses. Some people, you know, need to grow organically and some people have to grow through acquisition because maybe they're not as sales focused. So, so that, yeah, there's a, a great range of events and I feel like it's a really, we all, we do them all not for profit. So we sell prices, but we donate any profits to charity and, and mostly it goes towards the overhead of running the day. That's
0: um, great. And so, all of yeah. those events are in London, right?
1: Actually, no, we do we do some events in um we do some in Manchester as well. I think London and Manchester are kind of the two ups We've also got an office in Edinburgh, so we do some some events in Scotland. So but, but pretty much they're the three main locations for the moment.
0: That's great. Great, great. And um just to, you know, sort of finish on the on on our our chat I know you've recommended a lot of a lot of books depending on what you know people are looking for but you know what has been the most influential book you've read recently that you'd love to recommend to our audience do
1: you know that honestly is I wish I could fudge this answer and just give you one book but I do read so many books I mean I'm one of the you know I'm you know I'm a massive fan of of Jim Rohn before I guess he was even famous on social media Because Jim Rohn back in maybe 2010, someone told me about him because I always said I wasn't a massive fan of Tony Robbins because he's quite positive and I'm quite positive too. And I always found it was a bit of a like personality clash, really. Um, But I got told that Jim Rohn was one of, was Tony Robbins' mentor. And so I, I got the, it's actually a CD called The Art of Successful Living. And I, I, it's very hard to even play a CD these days. Yes. Um, there are lots of things behind, but this one CD, when I listened to it, it really resonated with me and connected with me. And I and I and I I found that it kind of helped validate, you know, a lot of my mindset challenges that I had. So. So I, I always kind of recommend that as one, something that in, influenced me uh, with Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And there was a few other books early on. But more recently, I'm a massive fan of people like Adam Grant's Give and Take was a great book. And I'll tell you what, let me give you what I'm reading at the moment rather than giving you necessarily one overarching one, which is a book by Penny Power. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of her, but she, she's written a book called Business is Personal. And I'm only about halfway through, but I'm absolutely loving it so far. Just really, really good book on, on, um, you know, on the realities and the tough, the toughness of being a business owner. So, um, yeah, so I, I kind of fudged my my answer there. <laughs>
0: no, but that's, that's great. I mean, already you gave us so much um, to so, to look into, really. Um, so you know, that's that's really that's really awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go to Goodreads and type in Spencer Gallagher, you can probably find. I try and put as many of the books i'm reading on there so if anyone does want to go and have a look at the books i've read please go and have a look there
0: that's that's awesome spencer thank you so much and if uh you know people wanted to know more about the work that you do um is there a website or a social handle that you can look at i know you know you you've mentioned the you know uh, you know the, the the one where you have all your events and uh, we'll definitely log uh, you know link that yeah. into our notes.
1: Yeah, the the events are always sort of published on at Agency Nomics on Twitter. I'm on, um, I guess one of the best ways to get hold of me probably is to try and come to an event because um, my diary is horrifically busy, like three, four months in advance with people booking in calls. So come and find me at an event. The events are, yeah, follow me on LinkedIn. And I would say probably... Twitter, Agency Nomics. I'm also at SPG4 on Twitter, so you can find me there as well.
0: Perfect. Well, Spencer, thank you so much for all the tips you've shared with us today. Um, oh, my pleasure.
1: Thank you for having me as a guest on your show. I feel thank, very honored.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. And then we'll add all of this on the, our show notes so that people can have access to all the books you've recommended and, you know, check out your events as well. Wonderful. All right. Thank you,